Coming up on Chasing Natty, week one of the CFB season is by far one of the most important weeks for the CFF season, and we're going to give you our reactions to it as well as some of maybe the most important waiver wire pickups you will make this entire season. All this and more coming right after this. Looking to Jared Stearns, who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Anderson! As advertised, touchdown Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chase and Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Monday morning. Hopefully it is nice and beautiful where you are and not the dreary crap that I have going on outside my window right now. Uh, but other than that, y'all, it has been a fantastic weekend. College football fully in swing now. We had an awesome slate of games yesterday. We're definitely going to talk about some of those games as well as some players that stood out to us that we are going to look at in terms of our waiver wires. But first, before we get too far into it, I need to introduce our guest who will be helping us out with those waiver wires, and that is Mr. Nate Marquis. Nate, how are you doing today, sir? Dude, I'm doing great. I'm doing uh, way better than the Iowa offense right yes. now. So <laughs> I'm, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's really nice weather here as well in Kansas City. Uh, I don't have much going on today uh, as we're recording before the uh, LSU and Florida State game kickoff later tonight. So um I'm doing great. I totally vegged out yesterday and oh, yeah. uh, was a was a degenerate watching games from uh, from start to finish. I, in fact, I'm I'm kind of running on fumes a little bit this morning because <laughs> I did make it to I don't know. I guess early into the third quarter of the Hawaii Western Kentucky game, which local time is a was a little bit after one a.m. So, um, but you know, I uh, I was still interested to see how that game turned out. So yeah, uh, but. Otherwise, doing great, man. Yeah, no. I, again, this this weekend's been awesome for me. I I stayed up a little bit for that game as well, and I went to bed right around one a.m. local time for me. So that was probably for me. I'd say that was probably late second quarter. Again, I I did not make it to halftime. I know that much yeah. and everything, but I because no no way I could stay up that late because it would have been going until about three a.m. for that game. But again, it's been a good weekend for me. Um, again, football's awesome. Uh, I've been cooking a lot this weekend. So, like, on Friday, I posted a picture. I, I made some quiches. I make quiche Lorraines every once in a while. My girlfriend loves my quiches. And, my quiches and my kisses. Um, and then on uh, tonight, actually, I'm going to make some Alfredo. So, I'm going to make some Alfredo. We're going to hang out on the couch. Might watch the football game. Might watch Stranger Things. Don't know. Don't know. So, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely figure it out. Uh, again, it's been an awesome weekend. And speaking of the weekend, let's talk about some of these games yesterday and everything. Uh, but before we get into that, let me just go through a quick announcement. And um, what am I looking for here? Just reminders for y'all. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit that like button, subscribe, and comment down below. Love hearing from you guys down there. If you are listening to this on podcast, make, make sure you follow us and leave a five-star review and a written five-star review if you're on Apple Podcasts. Love reading those from you guys. Uh, we are part of the CFF team here at Campus Canton. It is myself, Nate Marquise, across from me, Brandon Sanders, and Chris Moxley. Uh, and in introducing, uh, as well, 
three new additions to our CFF team that are covering different aspects. Chris K and Ethan Sowers, they're our college DFS uh, guys. They're doing an awesome job with their podcast. And then new and improvedly, we have Justice coming over to help us out with some IDP content for you guys coming here soon. So that's going to be pretty awesome for you guys here and pretty soon we got podcasts we got articles we got rankings weekly cff rankings for you guys that is me and chris moxley are putting those together for you guys every single week and yeah just got lots of great stuff go check it out over there on the campus of kent website we'll keep it coming to you guys we're going to keep that short so nate let's talk about some of these games from yesterday great great day for our teams yesterday you, uh, Oklahoma, played UTEP. My yep. Georgia Bulldogs played uh, Oregon Ducks. And we had similar results in our uh, games, I would say. Yeah, dude. I, uh, I, so obviously you didn't probably catch much of Oklahoma. And I didn't catch as much of the Georgia game as I'd like because they were both on at the same time. But uh, I did record the Georgia game. So I'll probably go back and watch a little bit of that. But, dude, I was um, – I think that that game was a huge wake up call to let everybody know how wide the gap is between Georgia and Alabama and just how, and to a certain degree, I guess you could probably throw Ohio state into that mix, but I think even the talent gap between Georgia and Alabama and the depth of just freak show athletes um, is a mile wide and it it was kind of rough to see Lanning have to experience that on game one. Yeah. Cause I'm rooting for that guy. I think he's, oh, yeah. I think he's a genuinely really good guy and man, but it was clear that he just did not have the Jimmy's and Joe's to keep up with what Georgia was throwing out there. And, and Georgia, I mean, right now for the most part, they're, they're, they're bringing back a lot of pieces from last year, especially on offense, man. They, they look like a, a well-oiled machine out there. I mean, they just, they were they were just they were just running running yeah. like crazy on 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 uh it wasn't Oregon. running even either because when you go and look at it georgia passed 37 times in this game and ran 25 times this is the quintessential game of georgia gets an early lead runs the ball the rest of the time and you right. don't do that but that's not what you saw yesterday this again as a georgia fan again i'm not gonna go on a full rant here i promise I'm, I'm not gonna go full homer i'm not gonna go full homer i'm not gonna go full homer um anyway it was Did really- you, you guys you guys slapped around a really good P5 program that was supposed to compete for a conference title. It's okay to go a little homerish today. It's okay. But, but even still, like the fact that we saw Georgia throw way more than we saw them right. run when the game was still relatively in hand was a huge, like I was expecting this to be the game that we ran the ball a ton, got out of there, and then we kind of opened it up maybe down the season. No, we came out throwing on this one. Setson looked awesome. Way in command of that control again. I know Nate, you haven't seen a t- actually haven't seen a ton of the game yet. I think you're going to be very impressed when you watch Stetson later. He looked like a much better quarterback than what he was even looking like last year. Um, and then what really got me excited was again it got into the third quarter. Carson Beck comes in, and I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, now we're getting to the point where we're going to run the ball and we're just going to get this game out of here and everything like that. Kirby let Carson Beck run the full offense. We had our starters still out there with Carson Beck yep. out there, and that was a that's a huge step forward in development for Kirby. Because last year that would not have happened. It is a it's been a in my opinion a 
weakness of Kirby is, is that he is so concerned about just winning the game and getting out of there that he doesn't take time to develop guys like his younger quarterbacks behind guys like Setson. Like, Setson, again, you'll see he has earned the starting role. He's clearly the number one guy. But Carson Beck is going to be pops probably that guy next year. And so he needs reps now with the full offense, actually letting him throw the ball. And they actually let him do that yesterday, which is really nice to see. So anyway, let's talk about it, your... Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, because I did have it on on the other monitor while while the OU game was on. I just didn't have my attention on it. But it looked like from the the, the parts that I could see, there was just a, a level of comfort that both Kirby and Stetson Bennett had with Todd Munkin this time around. That yep. They were just like, you know what? We do have the better players. It's okay if we um, just kind of let loose a little bit here and see kind of what this machine can look like yep. if we if we hit the accelerator, you know, a little bit more often. So it was nice to see them kind of open it up because, um, you know, then I'll have to you know put you know put my foot in my mouth on on some of the things I've said about Georgia and and their their fantasy potential. But it still comes down I, it still comes down to the fact the problem. Now becomes, they they don't they still don't get into as many shootouts as I would like from a CFF mm-hmm. perspective. Their their defense is just too damn good. You know what I mean? No, it's no, really fair. hard to count. It's really hard to count on um, those App State North Carolina type games. You know what I mean? They're never going to be involved in something like that. So. No, and that's fair. And also the other part of it is that we just currently have too many weapons right now to yeah. to focus it into one person. Like Kenny McIntosh had a great day yesterday. Nine receptions for 117 yards. I do not expect him to have that week to week. And in CFF, you want guys who you can expect that week to week. Lad McConkey actually, again, uh, Austin Nace put in his waiver wire article. He put Lad McConkey in there. And I'm going to be real. I'm kind of coming around to the idea that Lad McConkey could be a potential CFF because he is a guy I could see getting work every week. Same with AD Mitchell, possibly. We will definitely see. Lad McConkey and Stetson Bennett. Somebody's gonna. Somebody is going to make the playoffs by having those guys playing <laughs> fairly consistently in their roster. Watch that happen. I guarantee you, something like that's going to happen. It's it's crazy, man. Oh yeah. Again, that's enough Georgia talk. Let's talk about your Oklahoma Sooners, man. Like you, you guys look like you had a great time yesterday. Uh, I know you put out uh, in our Slack channel where you're talking about just how fast Oklahoma State's offense, or excuse me, Oklahoma's offense was yesterday. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. They did. They. They uh, just came out firing all cylinders. Uh, I mean, it was like, I couldn't even, you know, I got text groups going on with some OU friends and stuff like that. You can't even check your text before the next play is going on. You'll miss, you'll miss the next play. So it was just fun to see how fast they were going. Um, Gabriel looked fine. Uh, He looked, he looked like he's played in Levy's offense before, which he has. So um, all that was to be expected. The offensive line, a little shaky at times. Um, That's, that's actually been kind of a reoccurring theme for OU. They tend to get better as the season goes on. So, yeah. and they had, they had a couple guys out. So I think that'll, that'll be okay. The defense, um, the defense looked okay. They, they played a really base defense. I tell you what, we talked about it briefly um, about um, UTEP's QB, Gavin um, Hart- Hardison. Yes. Hardison. He's he, okay. Once again, he, he does not put up great numbers. I guarantee you once they get in the conference play, he's going to have some okay games that dude's that dude's got a really live arm. So, um, but I mean, it was, it was a really base defense. Oh, you played. And, yeah. and um, I, I think that um, I think they'll be improved there, but yeah, it was fun. It was fun to see the, the new Brent Venables staff go to work. So it was uh it was cool. It was uh, about a million degrees from what I heard on the field. So 
Um, guys look tired after uh, a few a few uh, possessions with Levy's high octane offense. So, but it was good. Yeah, at least that's Georgia guys. We were we were in Mercedes Benz Stadium, so we were in a dome. Didn't have to worry about how hot it got. Yeah. What did you think? What did you think of the uh, Ohio State Notre Dame game? I thought. In terms of just straight up football, not yeah. Let's CFF. talk football. Yeah, let's talk like, football first, and then let's talk. Yeah, CFF it, it, because it, there were some pretty of, big implications that happened with Ohio State CFF wise. In terms of just straight football, I thought it might have been the, one of the best games from the entire weekend. It was just defenses were making plays, offenses made plays. It was too. It was good on good. The Ohio State offense going up against that Notre Dame defense was some incredible must watch. If you haven't watched that game, that is incredible must watch football right there. Because again. Like I said, it was a chess match between both sides constantly, and both sides made huge plays here, uh, here and there. I it was probably the game that again, just from a pure neutral perspective, I had the most enjoyment watching this entire weekend. Because to me, yeah. it's like if I could get a game like that every single weekend, I would love it. It you could turn it to that channel and know within two minutes, even if you knew nothing about football, but you had been watching football for most of the day. Okay. I'm watching two really, really talented teams and two really, really well coached teams at the same time. One of the big takeaways I got from that game is, is damn Jim Knowles, whatever they're paying him at Ohio state is hundred percent worth it, man. If you watched how Oklahoma state has looked since he left and them giving up, you know, like 40 points a game, 550 yards in two games since he's left. And then, that 180 of what the Ohio State defense looked like, man, they were physical. They were mm-hmm. getting after it. Um, so that was that was really interesting to watch. It's and you know, as as we kind of transition to to a kind of a fantasy perspective on this game, it's kind of interesting with Ohio State. It almost feels like they are trying to make a statement right now that we're going to out physical you, which is something yeah. that we haven't seen from them. They in the past, it's almost like, hey. Let's do shootouts. Let's go, go, go. Yeah. And that, that game felt a little bit different, but that may have obviously been impacted by some of the weapons that they were that they were lacking in that game. I think it's also the opponent they were facing. Notre Dame is a yeah. physical football team. So you're going right. to have, if you don't try to match the physicality of Notre Dame, you're going to get out physical. And then Notre Dame, or then Ohio State really could have gotten into trouble later in the game. And I think that's why... There was almost a switch at halftime, and why I think Ohio State was more successive in the second half was the fact they realized, like, all right, we do have to slow this game down. we got to beat Notre Dame at their own game right now, and they were able to do that. Uh, Mayan Williams, who, to me, right now, just looked, he looked like a better running back than Travion Henderson did at times yesterday. Uh, it was annoying to me because I had Travion Henderson playing in multiple leagues, so I needed points yeah. from him, but at the same time, Mayan Williams, <laughs> at least yesterday, can match that physicality just a little bit better than Travion could. And so I, I think that's part of the reason why they kind of switched up the game plan there. Do you worry at all? I know towards the end of the season, um, Travion, not that he played poorly, but towards the end of the season, uh, there was the, the talk that he had some con- concussion stuff going on last year, and that kind of limited him. Do you worry about that at all, that maybe they try to, at least for the first half of the season, try to maybe limit his touches to a certain degree? If Mayan Williams keeps playing the way that he did yesterday, I am a little worried. Um, I'm yeah. not going to say, like, again, we'll, we'll reiterate this a thousand times in the show, y'all. It's week one. Right. The, every every player that you have has only one to two game samples. 
don't be making any rash decisions. Don't be fearing that Henderson is like a drop here soon or anything like that. He's a stud. He's going to have better weeks than this uh, than this week going forward. Um, but, but I but am if you a play little in, worried. If you play in my leagues, he is a drop. Drop him. Please drop him so that oh, yes. I can scoop him, scoop him up off way. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it does make mine just a little bit more interesting. But um, outside of the running back situation there at Ohio State, Ohio State, and I know a lot of people are taking, or like, let's talk about the Elves. And Mecca Ibuka had a really big day yesterday. Nine interceptions, right. nine, 90 yards, and a touchdown. And I see a lot of people out there uh, taking victory laps over Mecca Ibuka. I am somebody who has faded Mecca Ibuka for this year because I didn't think he was going to start. But then Julian Fleming was out yesterday. Jackson Smith and Jigbo left the game early. Yeah. I have never doubted Ibuka's talent. I never doubted that once he was out there with starting snaps, he was going to be a stud. My question is, once those guys come back, does Ekbuka stay out there on the field? Considering the awesome day he had yesterday, right. I imagine that he probably will. They'll get they'll find ways to get him out there. But even still, there is an impact in this wide receiver room right now with Fleming out and um, Jackson Smith and Jig, but we don't know whether he'll be back for next week. According to the coaching staff, they're hoping he'll be back for next week already. So that's a really good sign. He won't be out too long. But even still, definitely a shakeup going on here. What's your reaction to it, Nate? I'm with you. It's... It's a situation, I feel like, with Egbuka that if he didn't perform really well last night, then I would have been kind of worried. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's no Garrett Wilson. There's no Chris Olave. JSN gets hurt early. Uh, Fleming doesn't sh- doesn't play. And he we've, we've already heard that it's yep. him and Fleming competing for that spot. So the second Fleming was out, he becomes an automatic start. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I would have been worried. Now, I, I do think that it's going to be an interesting dynamic if JSN is out for a while. What does that mean for... Marvin Harrison Jr. Does Egbuka kind of fill? Because we we know that Egbuka is a little bit more dynamic and flexible in where yeah. he can line up. And if he lines up in JSN spot and CJ Stroud's used to his eyes kind of going towards that spot on, you know, first on every snap. Yep. Um, we could be looking at a situation where he then moves ahead of Marvin, Marvin Harrison Jr. Again, yeah. We're not gonna we're not gonna jump to conclusions after one week. Yep. Um, but it was just, it was interesting because it, all of those changes in the off season and, and the, the guys that went out, it made, um, Stroud look human. Mm-hmm. His timing was a little off. It, it, there was some miscommunications and obviously he's playing a great defense, Yeah. but there were those human moments that we saw from him. So it's going to be interesting to see how this wide receiver room plays out. I mean, geez, what, what was it? Xavier Johnson. Yeah, Catch, catching balls, making touchdowns. I literally had to open up Phil Still and be like, "Wait a second, who is Xavier no, you, Johnson?" You, I, you I, want, I you want the funny thing is, I took Xavier Johnson in, in a league as a placeholder oh, really? for, oh, yeah. for Tyler Harrell. So when I heard that name, I'm <laughs> never, like, you "Never be, mind, you got to be Scratch freaking Tyler kidding Harrell. me!" I want the place. I want the place. Exactly. <laughs> that, dude, that, that blew my mind when I when I heard that name. I'm like, "You got to be freaking kidding me right now!" Yeah, um, that's, that is wild. Go to Notre Dame. Again, obviously not a great offensive day for them because, again, Ohio State's defense looks improved, and also they are, I think, still trying to figure out their offensive identity. They don't really have a stud running back like Kyron Williams that they can kind of hand the ball off to a bunch of times. Tyler Buckner, uh, 10 for 18, not the best day in the world, but still looked good at times, uh, and he can run as well. What do we think about that offense? Is there Again, Michael Meyer obviously is still the stud and everything like that, but like. Any, anybody else out of this game, or is it just we should wait and see them play some lesser competition to see if we can see it, get anybody up and going? I, I think we'll see this offense improve with each week. Number one, the competition is going to be a lot easier. 
Um, I, you could tell there was a definite um, cohesive game plan that Notre Dame had that said, we're going to go into this game, try to limit the offensive possessions for Ohio State. We're going to try to ugly it up as yep. much as we can. Um, let's not put too much on Buckner's plate day one. Yep. So I think the playbook will grow as he grows, as the schedule moves on. I mean, they, they've got what uh, Marshall, Cal, and oh my God, North Carolina coming up pretty soon. So, oh, no. so, um, so they've got some really favorable matchups before uh, before they have their bye week. So yeah, I expect that offense to to look a, a little bit different. So. Should we seg? Should should that be a good segue? I think that's a great segue over to the UNC App State game. Which Jesus Christ! I I uh, I I turned that game off once Ohio or once uh, UNC went up like with a touchdown with like I'd say like got to be like three or four minutes left in the game, and I'm like, okay, Georgia Oregon's coming on soon. I'm gonna flip over from this game. I'm not gonna. I'm not like UNC just put the game away right there. And then I get the notification, the game ends, and both teams have added like an additional 14 points since then. I'm like, how, what, what? Yeah. <laughs> App, State, App State scored 40 points in the fourth quarter and lost. Like that, 40 points alone in the fourth quarter. It was insane. Like it's, that is, that is the beauty of owning somebody like, um may as your quarterback yep. to know that their offense or their defense is so abysmal it was kind of when he i watched stay out right it was when i watched uh usc play towards the end of last year and in the spring game and stuff like that this is what i had pictured whenever i i moved um caleb williams up to my wide receiver once but of course usc has three pick sixes uh in week one against rice so um we didn't get to see that but yeah this is what you want um and, and why some players are just simply Malik Cunningham got this kind of treatment last year. Yep. You know, when you're, when you're putting up 60 points on Duke, it's because Duke is scoring on you. Yep. So you have to stay in the game. So it was glorious to, to witness from a, from a fantasy football uh, standpoint, if I'm a North Carolina fan, I'm having to cringe every week because that defense and offensive line is so bad. There's what no, you, there's no guarantee you're going to put any game away any week. What do you make of what do you make of the backfield here for North Carolina? Oh Jesus, I don't, I don't even know, man. I think it's going to be something that like I, we I think some of us jumped the gun a little bit early in terms of thinking that this was a settled backfield yeah. with Amari and Hampton, and I think definitely learned our lesson last week. I for me, it's just start Drake May if you have Drake yeah. May and just don't worry about it because uh, the offense is going to mostly throw flow through him he currently has more rushing yards than anybody else on this team right now i just looked it up this is a yeah. again if i had sense. if i had to grab one of these running backs i still think hampton's your guy but i yeah. don't think it's going to be a he's going to get uh 15 to 20 attempts in the game now granted they're going to play some lesser d lines down the line so hopefully hampton can have some better run there but hood had a really good day petaway had a good day i don't think any of those three are going to really separate themselves kind of going forward here I found it interesting that Hood had, I can't remember exactly when it was, but he had a really long run Mm -hmm. to set up a touchdown run. Uh, He didn't get into the end zone. He kind of ran out of gas towards the end of that run, but it was like a, I don't know, like a 70, 75 yard run. I don't think he carried the ball again the rest of the game. And that was, from what I have gathered, he was absolutely gassed after that run. (laughs) But it, but what I was, what was interesting, it happened. I mean, North Carolina had like six more possessions after that. Yeah. 
because that game was so wild and he still never touched the ball again. So I thought that that was interesting. I thought, well, I don't know, maybe he pulled a hamstring or something like that, but yeah, it's kind of a messy backfield situation, but it's like, you don't, you, you want to stay invested in it because you know, they're going to put up so many points, but at the same time, you have no freaking clue who is going to be the guy and you have no clue when to start them. Even if there is some level of separation, you know what I mean? Yeah, this is definitely at the moment a true case of if you have one of these guys, hold on to them on your bench, especially if a de- if you have a relatively deeper bench, just hold on to them, see what happens. Yeah. But for now, like I don't think any of these guys are startable until we can get some more clarity as to who's going to separate themselves from the rest. Again, my money's still on Hampton, but even yeah. still. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Rook. Let's real quick before we jump into waivers, can we talk yes. about the Utah Florida game? I thought yes, that was it, a I thought that was a really interesting game. That was a great game from a from a neutral perspective as a Georgia fan. The last thing I needed in my life was for Florida fans to have hope that they're going to be a great team this season. Yeah. Um what did you think of Anthony Richardson? So, I think he carried that offense on his back at times. Mm-hmm. And I think he made enough big plays to keep them in the game. Um, I think he, I think I was a little impressed. His production, it felt was less designed than it was just natural talent, if that makes sense. Like he was a guy, like it was never a truly designed QB run that led him to getting big runs. It was him just having a natural awareness of the field and yeah. just making what he can out of the play in an offense where, again, his receiving options aren't great. And Montreal Johnson had a pretty good day yesterday. It looks like that mm-hmm. depth chart completely lied, and he'll probably be the number one running back for them kind of moving forward here. But even still, like, this offense is going to live or die on Anthony Richardson's back, which is a good thing when you're facing Utah. But as we also saw with Georgia last year, when they put it on his back in that game, it led to a disaster. So right. we'll definitely see with Anthony Richardson going forward. Yeah, I thought – so he was – I was just mentioning him because he was, he was the guy that I had picked as my Heisman trophy winner, both in the bold prediction with, uh, with Austin and Colin and their, in their conference rundowns, but then also in our, I, I mean, I truly believe it in our campus yeah. to Canton predictions. I, I have him as, as my Heisman winner. And I thought yesterday's game was a really good reason why, like number one, the uh, Florida does nothing without him. They, they no. literally, I think are an average probably six win team without him with just a, an average quarterback, but Utah played pretty good. Mm-hmm. And like they walked out of there with a loss. And I think a lot of teams are going to go up against Florida this year and walk out with a loss and say to ourselves, man, we played pretty good. Yeah. The problem is the other team had one guy that we just don't have an answer for. Yeah. And it's really hard to scheme up defenses against him because when, even when things happen that we want to happen, but the play breaks down, he's even better when the play when he's off script you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's just it was uh it was really interesting to watch him um my only other takeaway from this game was is i was really bummed that jalen glover not a single carry man did not get a single touch man uh wit let 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 him free you need to let him free it's I, I I knew that he's not going to get a ton of touches early but chris curry getting five carries for 13 yards yep. don't don't show me that when you've been hyping up my boy Jake Glover all off season about how great he's going to be and how he could be a big contributor this season. Don't be giving Chris Curry five carries just to do nothing with it. Come on now. 
No, and again, like you said, like Utah played well, and literally this game came down to a tight end tripping in the end zone right. and a uh, Florida DB just being at the right place at the right time to pick off a yeah. play in the end zone that absolutely would have ended the game right then and there. I'm not going to say Florida should have lost this game because they made the plays at the right time, but at the same time, like Utah was very much in a position right at the end to win this thing, and it just happened to go Florida's way right there at the very end. We'll definitely see. Again, my big thing with Anthony Richardson winning the Heisman is I have no doubt he has the talent. I have no doubt that he has, like you said, the the way he has to carry the entire team on his back and that he is the sole reason for the success will help him in the Heisman narrative. The problem is that the Heisman, had, over the last couple of years, really Lamar Jackson, I would say, is kind of the last uh, true example of a of it just being about the guy. It also is about the team. They yep. really have liked picking the best player from the one of the better teams, and I don't think Florida will have a good enough record by the end of the season for him to really have um, consideration for the Heisman. You saw it happen to Matt Corral last year. Matt Corral was on his way to winning the Heisman, but then Ole Miss loses a few games, and all of a sudden, it, this was even before oh, this even before Matt Corral was injured and everything, and kind of limited the rest of the season. He was already getting knocked out of Heisman talks once Ole Miss started losing a few games. I think the same thing will happen to Florida and Anthony Richardson. How many? What do you think Florida's record ends up being in the regular season? Twelve. Games. Uh, let me let me look at their schedule. So they got Kentucky. Got, yeah. Good. I uh, got so. I'd say eight and four. Okay. I'd, I'd say seven to five, eight and four, right around there. Okay. All right. Yep. I uh, like they're making I, a bowl. I, I think they get nine wins. I think they get nine wins. I think Georgia and probably at A and M are losses. Yeah. But I mean, even at like I said. I, I think I I think my last my the last thing I'll say about Florida I think they'll win a game or two that they probably have no business winning yeah just because they're so good because they, they've got a, such a freak show of a talent same thing with the A and M ran into with Johnny Menzel they yeah. they would win a few games a year and you're just like I don't understand how that happened and it's real literally because one one guy. No, uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, and LSU all strike me as that kind of game. Like they'll yep. they'll win one of those games even if they're not favored in that game. Actually, I think Florida's favored against Kentucky this week. Yeah, well, so, yeah, we'll see. Anyway, that's enough water cooler talk. Let's go ahead and get into some of these waivers. That's what a lot of people are here for. Let's talk about some of these guys that you guys will need for your CFF teams for this week. Let's start with quarterbacks here. Big one right here. Injuries happen in college football. And a lot of times in these massive offensive systems, you are looking for the next guy up when the main guy goes down. And that, unfortunately, has happened to one of my favorite guys to talk about this offseason, Tyler Shuck. It sounds like he has re-injured the collarbone that he injured last year. If that is true, he's probably out for at least several weeks here. And you need to be running to your waiver wire to pick up the next guy up. And that is Mr. Donovan Smith here at Texas Tech. He came into the game for Tyler Shuck yesterday against Murray State and had a really, really good day. Went 14 for 16 for 212 yards, or excuse me, 221 yards and four touchdowns. Had two rushes for nine yards. So not like he's, they didn't really use his legs that much, but it's Murray State didn't really need to. To me, he proved yesterday he could come in and run the system. I think that was the big question a lot of us had was, can does Donovan Smith really fit the Kitley system? Well, came in, had a really, really good day yesterday. In fact, had a better day than Shuck did. Now, granted, again, Shuck kind of went out relatively early into the game, but even still, I think that kind of takes the doubt out of it again against Murray State, but it was good enough for me to say, go ahead and pick him up. 
and start him as the Texas Tech QB. They play Houston this week. That is expected to be a very high-scoring game. I would say grab him and start him with confidence. What do you think here, Nate? Yeah, you got to feel for Shuck if, if that rumor is true and he's going to be out for a little bit. That's a bummer because uh, this will be a couple years in a row where that's happened to him. But, yeah, man, this gosh, this brings us back to our, our old – handcuff discussion that we had a while ago and uh if it's valuable or not because man if you have tyler shuck and you didn't handcuff with donovan smith you are kicking yourself uh right now and and we talked about it right it was kind of weird all indications were it was between shuck and uh baron morton until in until that last um kind of before we discussed week zero and I was like, well, it looks like actually Donovan Smith and Chuck are the only ones running with the ones and Baron Morton's been running with the twos. So um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is Kitley's system. I mean, we, we've seen, uh, I, I, you know, it's just one week, but we've seen that uh, that system is very, um, very productive with him coming over from Western Kentucky and they will continue to, to do so. And, They've got some nice weapons at receiver. We'll probably discuss a little bit more later, but oh, yeah. yeah, you there's, you could probably make the case that because of Donovan, Donovan Smith's ability, his athleticism with his legs, he might even be more um, successful uh, from a fantasy perspective than Shook, as long as we're thinking he gets all of the reps. Now yes. there's, there's still probably an outside chance that they, they feel out Morton, but the problem is, is, and Houston's a good team. Yep. And they play NC State after that, which is a really good team. Yep. So you don't really have the, the Murray State situation where you can play around and you want to go in with your guy and play that guy. Yeah, 100%. Again, like it, it, there's not much to boil down to here. Again, the Kitley system, you want the starting quarterback here. And if you can even get Donovan Smith for just a couple of weeks, maybe it's not as bad as we think with Shuck with the collarbone and everything. You still want this guy. Like This could be a league winner for you each and every week. So mm-hmm. I see no problem with picking him up and just starting him for that time. Yeah, it'll be a, it'll be an interesting situation. Let's say Chuck comes back after, let's say it's not a collarbone, but he's got a spraying shoulder. He comes back after three weeks. What do you do there? You know what I mean? Like, what is, what does Kitley do? Does it, especially if, if Smith looks good, but not incredible. Like exactly you're, you're back to, we're back to where we were in the off season, wondering what the heck's going to go on with this quarterback room. But for right now, you've the, the, the juice is worth the squeeze. You've got to grab this guy off waivers um, just because of the, the, the potential that it provides. I agree 100%. All right. Next couple of quarterbacks kind of range in terms of value. In my opinion, some of them I would say are guys you can grab and maybe they become weekly starters for you. Some of them I think are definitely like maybe stash and save for later when they go into conference play. We'll talk about that when we get to them. But first let's talk about one of my favorite sleeper guys from this offseason. That has been Todd Santeo quarterback out of James Madison. A lot of people, not a very big believer in Todd Santeo did not do very well in the Steve Adazio system over at Colorado State when he was the starter. And he moves over to James Madison, who has an offensive staff that I was kind of curious because they had dealt with dual-threat quarterbacks in the past, Cole Johnson, who was who performed very well, who if he had the season he had last year in the FBS and we counted him for CFF, he would have been a top-12 quarterback. And so I said, well, Toss and Tail can run, and he's taking a step down in competition here to the Sun Belt. If he can improve and run this offense well, he absolutely could be somebody that we're looking at as a potential starter. And he had an absolutely incredible day against Middle Tennessee State this past week. Again, Middle Tennessee State, you're not entirely sure that he is going to be a guy 
that you can trust week in and week out because you don't know exactly how good Middle Tennessee State is. But even still, we do know what he did against Middle Tennessee State, which is uh, 33 attempts, 21 completions, 287 yards, six friggin' touchdowns. And then on the ground, he had 14 carries for 110 yards and zero touchdowns. If they just give him that kind of volume week in and week out, and they continue to let him just swing it to Chris Thornton, who, by the way, if for some reason he is just on your waiver wire, like, dear God, pick him up right now. But also, uh, Reggie Brown, uh, if he lets it sling to these guys, and they actually they let him utilize his weapons, he is a week-in, week-out starter for me. What do you think about Senteo, Nate? Yeah, they, man, James Madison looked really good. Um, they're, they're bumping up a class and they showed no signs of any hiccups in that in that move up. They put a thumping on on Middle Tennessee. So yeah, I, this this offense was, and they kept him in pretty late in that game, even yep. though it was a blowout. Here's the deal: You're, you may be thinking, well, Middle, Middle Tennessee's terrible. Um, what happens if they play a real defense? Okay, well, let's take a look at their schedule. They're only their next their their two toughest defenses they have remaining. Louisville, who Oof. just got worked over by Syracuse, and Coastal Carolina. So um, <laughs> you can't – I mean, they play Norfolk State next week. You can't really point out the really tough defenses. On They play Appalachian State in a few weeks, who just gave up a, a 60 spot. So, yeah, um, I, I mean, this is a guy that probably can't count on what we saw on Saturday. But, man, um, you got to feel pretty good if, if you're snagging him off the waiver wire. I know I would. Yeah, like again, I wouldn't count on a 44-point performance every any given week, but he has that potential, and I think it's a pretty safe floor of 25 points, which you are not disappointed by any at all, uh, considering that some of us started QBs this past week that barely got us 15 points. So I think... Yeah. Go ahead. Cole Johnson... I was just going to say, Cole Johnson was was really, really productive for them yeah. last year. And if if they are not seeing any negative impact from moving up in competition, then you've got to think that Todd Centeno is is equally as talented as what Cole Johnson could throw out there. And we saw that in week one. So yeah, uh, grab him with confidence. Absolutely. So going to Sunbelt over to the Mac here. Talk about Daniel Richardson, quarterback out of Central Michigan. When it came to Mac quarterbacks last year, or this, or this past offseason, you heard us talk about uh, Colin Schley, of course, who, again, did not have a great day this past weekend because he faced Washington. We talked about Daquan Finn, who did have a good week this past week. But there was there's kind of, a, I would say, a relative drop-off after that point. There weren't a lot of QBs that we were, like, really, really hyping up. And we kind of wanted to wait into the season to see who would really step up. And as far as I can tell, Daniel Richardson looks like he could be that guy. Daniel Richardson this past week against Oklahoma State. Now, great, Oklahoma State's defense looks atrocious right now. But even still... Through 49 times, completed 36 passes, 424 yards, and four touchdowns. Richardson also has the ability to use his legs. He didn't really this past Saturday, but he does have that ability. He is somebody that I think once Matt kind of kicks up, and again, I'm not expecting 50 passes in a given week. I think part of that was game script from this past weekend, but he has good receiving options. Um, Magoey was a surprise. We'll, we, I'll, I'll mention him as like an honorable mention for wide receivers later. Um, he kind of came out of nowhere. You have uh, He has a great tight end in Joel Wilson, who had a pretty good day the other day. Dallas Dixon, who was their leading receiver last year, 
all of a sudden is their fourth leading option in terms of receptions. That means they upgraded big time in their wide receiver room this past offseason. Uh, Carlos Carey, who came from Maryland, also looked really good. He's got some weapons here, and I think that this passing offense for Central Michigan, again, we're not even talking about the pass-catching running back in Lou Nichols. I think this offense could look really, really good down the stretch, especially once they get in the MAC play. What do you think here, Nate? Yeah, I was... He was one of the guys. He was one of the guys. I was. I was a little hesitant on picking up in in the offseason drafting, but he showed. I mean, even though Oklahoma State's been um, you know hot garbage since Jim Knowles left defensively, they still. I mean, talent wise, totally outmatch what what Central Michigan's throwing out there. So, but they did not. I mean, they didn't look out. They didn't look outmatched at all. And so you would think that this staff now is going to have some serious confidence. And if the run game is not on for a night, that they don't continue to have to pound, um, you know, forty-five carries out of Lou Nichols. That they can, that they now have the the weapons on on in the receiving game in that wide receiver room, and that Richardson's going to be capable of that. So um, I still am kind of curious what his ceiling actually is because I kind of one of the reasons I didn't draft him is because I I just don't know. How per, how high his ceiling is when you're constantly feeding Lou Nichols, but I do think it's definitely higher than what I had given him credit for uh, prior to this season starting. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, again, to me, to me, this is definitely a grab and stash, mostly for Mac play. But again, looking at their schedule, the only matchup that I would be really hesitant to put him up against, obviously, is Penn State, and yeah. Penn State still has a good defense. I imagine again. Central Michigan will have a hard time in that game, but other than that, they don't play a t- they don't really play that tough of a schedule. And Mac play is really not that far around the corner, so I kind of yeah, like yeah, you, the rest of the season. You can definitely do worse. I would say that you've got a guy that can that can put up points on Oklahoma State, and he hasn't even got into Mac play yet. You can definitely do worse than that. I agree. All right, Nate, let's talk about this next guy here. This is somebody that you specifically said we should put on here, and so I'm going to let you kind of explain why here, because I'll be real, this is one of the ones that I'm a little hesitant on when it comes to mm-hmm. looking at the waiver wires this week. You're kind of looking at all of these different games, and you're saying, like, all right, who's the real deal, and who just had a really good day? This is a one-off deal. They are playing a bad defense. And so I'm a little, I'm, I'm going back and forth with this guy, but it's Davis Brin, quarterback out of Tulsa, Brin Sanity, Nate why is Bryn worth a waiver wire pickup for you through the rest of this year? Well, I, I definitely did want to talk about him just because his 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 stat line was was just so wild. I mean, obviously it's Wyoming, and we saw how Wyoming has looked through through a couple of weeks here. So, you know, take that with 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 a grain of salt here. But when Tulsa's throwing the ball fifty two times, yeah, he, he had four hundred and sixty yards. Three touchdowns. He didn't provide much on the ground, but he's one of those guys that will he's sneaky athletic. He can get a, he can get you a little bit on the ground at times. Um, but they have they have a really nice wide receiver room there at Tulsa. If if this is I, it's just kind of one I wanted to put him on the list because it's something that people should uh, monitor at the very least. And yep. I, I think I think he's worth a flyer because. We've thought the tools have been there for Davis Brin for for last season. He was just really disappointing, and that just that that offense looked really discombobulated. But if if they're going to chuck it fifty two times, and their defense is going to take a little bit of a step back from where they were last year to where game script's going to be in Brin's favor, 
then I think it's I think it's definitely something worth monitoring. Yeah, I, I don't disagree whatsoever. I think you make a very good case for him there. Uh, we're going to speed up just a little bit uh, to finish up with this last quarterback here. Uh, very similar to Daniel Richardson. We're talking about another Matt QB here who performed really well in an out-of-conference out of game here. Curtis Rourke, quarterback out of Ohio. Younger brother of Nathan Rourke, if some of you guys remember him from CFF years of past. He had a really good day against FAU this past week. FAU, who absolutely destroyed Charlotte last week. Uh, Rourke was able to put up uh, 34 passes for 27 completions. Uh, 345 yards, four touchdowns, and then ran the ball 14 times for 11 yards and a touchdown. So they're clearly going to let him use his legs, especially when they're down near the goal line. Nate, what do we think about just, what do we think about Rourke, but also what do we kind of think about this Ohio offense? Is this an offense that we might want to invest in down the line for Mac? Because as far as I'm concerned, I think they look much improved from where they were last year, and they're actually taking advantage of their offensive line, which I have said is one of the most underrated offensive lines in the entire country. Yeah, the their head coach is the former offensive coordinator for Frank Zolich whenever Zolich stepped down. And obviously they, they underperformed or underwhelmed a little bit last year. They went from 34 points per game that very COVID year. But, um, but even the year before that, they averaged 34 points per game. And then last year, they just averaged 22. So yep. Um, we may be seeing a little bit of, of um, kind of a value bounce back in this offense where they're kind of returning back to the norm. And it seems like they've got some nice players there. Now they do have Penn state and Iowa state, their next two games. So just kind of think about that. If you are going for him on the waivers, you may not be able to use him the next couple of games, mm -hmm. but um, again, we've, we've mentioned it many times. I mean, this is action, man. This is, yeah. If you want a guy to go off on, on Wednesday, Tuesday and Wednesday nights, you may be looking at one of those guys right here. So I do think that this is an offense that sees, um, an uptick and, and outperforms what a lot of people maybe thought early on. Yeah, I agree. 100%. I'll mention a few honorable mentions here at quarterback. I'm going to try to do this week in and week out in terms of just like, we pick five guys that we kind of really want to dive into, but there's always going to be more guys. And some of these guys are people we've already talked about in weeks past. We just want to reiterate, they're still available in a lot of leagues. Drake May, quarterback at a UNC, you heard us talk about him already. He's probably a league winner right now, if you can grab him right now. So if he's for some reason still available, go ahead and grab him. And then again, I'm not going homer here. I'm not going homer here. I am throwing Stetson Bennett out there as somebody to keep an eye on or stash away for right now. I do think he is in for a much better year than a lot of us initially gave him credit for. And if he, he scored almost 30 fantasy points yesterday in a game that was a blowout. So if they continue to let it rip like that, he could be a much better option than we gave him credit for. He was the most expensive quarterback on DraftKings. For, for some freaking reason. Well, they, uh, I don't know, maybe DraftKings saw what was coming because he, he performed pretty well. <laughs> Alrighty, let's move on to the running backs here. Let's start off with Marshall. And Kalen LeBourne was the name we were talking about coming into this week, and he performed really, really well. 12 carries, 102 yards, two touchdowns, had a catch for seven yards, no touchdowns to the air, though. He was the guy that we said, all right, he is going to be our Ali replacement for the time being until Rasheen Ali returns. And like I said, he performed really, really well. And I still recommend people pick him up because I do think he's the most talented back on this roster. I do think it's also worth mentioning his partner in crime, Ethan Payne, who also had a really, really good day against Norfolk State yesterday. Now, granted, it's Norfolk State, 
probably got a little bit more run than he was typically going to. I believe, if I remember correctly, LeBourne got a lot of the carries early on, kind of indicating yep. he will be the, na- the main back moving forward once they face some higher competition. But Nate, is it truly wheels up for LeBourne until we get Ali back? I think so. I, th- I will liken this situation of running back to what we discussed with um, Donovan Smith for Texas Tech in that we don't at this point this time we don't really know how long the true starter is out Um, but LeBourne is this is a this is a plug and play you want this is a league winner type if he gets extended time and we're talking about a number of games here we saw what Ollie is capable of. This offense loves to pound the running backs. And, and yes, um, the, the third stringer, what was his name? Ethan Payne. Ethan Payne. Ethan Payne, um, yeah, he had, some, he had some decent camp reports, but LeBourne was supposedly killing it in the, uh, in the fall camp to the point where a lot of people were thinking he was going to start to uh, chip away at some of the volume that we saw from Ollie last year. So, and, and yes, I was keeping a close eye on that game to see how this running back situation will play out. And LeBourne got all, like all of his damage was done in the first half and it was blowout city and Payne come in, came in afterwards and then kind of, you know, did his thing once, once everything was out of hand. Once, once games are, are, are still going to be fairly close for Marshall, LeBourne is the guy that you want. Um, But I mean, obviously maybe Payne's capable of something if LeBourne were to get hurt, but yeah. yeah. Um, I think this is a league winner type type move you need to go after. I, I agree 100%. Again, I did double check because like, I saw they had similar stat lines. I'm like, ooh, is this really going to be that split of a backfield? Because that's what you initially think when you're box score scouting. Right. But then like when you actually look at the game, and LeBourne absolutely was the main back in the first half, and then Payne got a lot of run. And just because it was Norfolk State, Payne yep. was able to do a lot of damage as well. So I'd say LeBourne's definitely the play going forward here until he gets back. Let's talk about our next running back here. Let's go to Jalen Berger, running back out of Michigan State. You're going to see a common theme here today with some of these, uh, with some of these play, uh, plays for waiver wire this week. We're looking at a lot of teams who are historically good at running the ball, but also have historically been committees. But now, when we're looking at it this year, we start to see some guys that, at least it looks like right now, have separated themselves a little bit. And not a better example right now to me than Jalen Berger, running back out of Michigan State. We thought this was going to be very much more committee. Jarek Broussard was getting a lot of uh, hype out of camp. There was other options. Um, Jordan Simmons was making some buzz as well. And we thought this was probably going to be a very split backfield that we were not going to get another Kenneth Walker this year. And I'm not saying that Berger is a Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker was a monster of his own last year. But even still, you're probably still looking. If Berger really does monopolize the backfield like he did yesterday, um, he has 16 carries. Nate, do you have uh, what the next running back got? Broussard got 10. Broussard got 10? Okay, yeah. so he got a little bit more than I was anticipating. But still, Berger definitely had the most. He had the best day on the day. I would say Berger is definitely somebody to keep an eye on and definitely store for right now in the back of your rosters. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, I totally agree. If you would have – if that's that's one of the beauties of these systems. And when we're in the offseason, we don't know exactly how they're going to play out. But if you would, if you were going to tell us, well, Berger's going to get the bulk of the carries in game one, it's going to be 16 to 10. But if you watch the game, it was really Berger carrying the ball uh, yeah. early on. And, and then it was kind of sprinkled in in the second half with Broussard. Um, it's not to say that Broussard won't play there. I mean, I think he will. He followed 
the coaching staff over from Colorado. Um, but Berger's, I, I said this before the season, I like Berger more just because he's, he's a, he's a better talent than Broussard. He's a better, he's just a better football player if things go right for him and they're going to feed him. And, and we know that based off last year, what this offense is capable of, then um, I, I think he's somebody that you, you definitely need to be adding onto your rosters. Yeah. And I want to reiterate, I'm not expecting another Kenneth Walker performance, but even, again, if, right. even if we get like 60, 70% of what Kenneth Walker was last year, you still have a very good CFF running back right there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Somebody that should not just be hanging out on your waivers. I think he's definitely worth a pickup and just at least storing onto your roster for right now, see how this backfield plays out. And if it works out, absolutely somebody who could be a week in and week out starter for you. Yep. All right. Let's dip back into the Macwell here. We're going back to the Ohio Buck or excuse me, the Ohio Bobcats. And we're gonna talk about their running back, Say Ben Gira. It was a big underrated story that the other running back here, O'Shawn Allison, was injured right before the season start and that he was going to be out for the entire season. Already we knew Ben Gira was going to be the starter for the Ohio Bobcats, but the second guy behind him getting knocked out pretty much kind of solidified that he will be the bell cow back. Uh, I just realized that it's still a picture of, it's still a picture of Jalen Berger up there. My apologies to those watching. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Jalen Berger could probably crush it at, at uh, Ohio too. Oh, hell yeah, he could. Anyway, <laughs> but still, he's going to be the bell cow back here moving forward. He's the most experienced one. They named him the starter early on. He is the spiritual successor to my boy, Demontre Tuggle, Tugboat. Huh, huh. <laughs> anyway, um, so I'm proud of this. But even still, like in addition to that, just the emotional love there. I've mentioned before, Ohio's offensive line is extremely, extremely underrated. They were 11th in the country last year in generating yards per play. They, ha- they generated 3.5 yards per play last year. And mm-hmm. in addition to that, Ohio's neutral game pass script was 28%. That meant that in neutral situations, they ran the ball 72 plays or 72% of the time. And so once Ohio gets into this MAC play again, they they um, they played against FAU yesterday. They had to throw it around a little bit more. But once they get into MAC play and they face some defensive lines that aren't quite as strong, I absolutely think Saban Gira is going to eat. He had 23 carries this past weekend for 114 yards. He didn't get any touchdowns because they felt like giving it all to Rourke there. Uh, but I cannot imagine that stays the same. He's going to get into the end zone multiple times throughout the season. I think Saban Gira is a great play. Nate, I know you love Ben Gira as well, so let's hear it. I do. I do. I'm so glad that he's on this list. So I get to talk about him again, man. He, he was, uh, he was one of the guys that I featured in my, um, G five, uh, dynasty deep sleepers. Um, so I've been, and that was before we knew about Allison being out for the season. I've been conducting the Bangara train for a while now. <laughs> I, I freaking love this guy. All of the reports in the spring and the fall are, he is, um, just one of the, I mean, he's just physically, uh, a monster and and he he was stuck behind in high school nobody recruited him because he was stuck behind Marshawn Lloyd who was a five-star running back recruit yep. he, he was his backup so he just never really had a chance and then and then COVID struck so um I'm excited for him he had 23 carries and he'll fly under the radar and for a lot of um leagues with their waiver pickups because he's like we talked about last week if you're just if you're just scouting who scored the most points? I want to say he probably he had what 114 yards. Yeah, so he so scored he, so 11.4 points yesterday. 11.4 points. Here's the deal, because he never got into the end zone. 
Here's the deal. He had 23 carries. The next, the only other running back that got a carry got one carry. It was him and Rourke. It was him and Rourke running the show. When, when the, when Mac play happens and the weather changes, it gets cold, it gets rainy, it gets icy. They're going to have to lean on the run even more. He is, he is going to eat this year and he's going to help some people make playoffs and be competitive in playoffs. I guarantee it. Yeah. Again, like I said, he, he feels like my spiritual successor to Tuggle. Tuggle definitely no. uh, struggled. Well, this offense, uh, well, Tuggle didn't struggle during the uh, COVID year, but this, he did not. this offense has proven, it's a system that has proven it can support a really fantasy relevant running back. And now put it in a situation where we don't have to worry about a carry split. And the one guy that is left as the remaining running back is uh, head and shoulders athletically above everybody else. I mean, I, I think, I think it, it's got a rest. It's a recipe for success here for sure. I agree. 100%. Let's move on to our next running back here. Typically we're not going to try. This is, I'm going to change from, from last year. I'm going to try not to give you the same names over and over again. This one, I felt like we needed to bring up again, because I feel like we need to change our tune a little bit on this man. Last week, we were a little hesitant providing him as a waiver wire pickup, but then he went out and did it again. And it is true. It looks like, like I mentioned with Jalen Berger, it looks like he has separated himself from the rest of the committee. We thought there was going to be a committee here, but he he is performing at a much higher level than everybody else on that backfield. And that's Anthony Grant running back out of Nebraska this past weekend. 23 carries for 189 yards and two touchdowns. An even better performance than he had against Northwestern. Nate, how are we feeling about Anthony Grant now? Because last week uh, you were you were a little hesitant on him. Yeah, I've definitely got egg on my face. Um, I I thought that Whipple was going to do the same thing that he always does. Apparently, Anthony Grant is just far superior to uh, the rest of the the guys in that running back room. So um, as far as we know, there's no more doghouse situation with, with the other guys. But, man, he got... He got all the carries, and he looks um, pretty damn good doing it. I mean, with with what he's done through week zero and week one has been super impressive. So he's 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 a situation where he's just gonna kind of bust the cycle of what we normally expect. It looks like from from Mark Whipple. So yeah, I mean, I I gotta kind of yeah, it's, you gotta admit when you're wrong, and I'm wrong. He's he's been really good. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's really much else to say here. I do think at this point, if like I know some of my leagues, he he, he processed through waivers last week. Nobody picked him up. I guarantee you that's not going to happen again this week. Once no. people see back-to-back performances like that, they're like, all right, this is the real deal. We'll go and take a look at him now. Yeah, he's str- when you start stringing them together, a couple of nice performances together, then you, you've got to acknowledge, man, this guy's going to he's gonna get 20-plus carries. Yeah, especially with um, Casey Thompson kind of struggling in the passing game a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. he seems like they're going to have to put it on his back some games. Yep. All right. Again, similar situation to Anthony Grant and Jalen Berger. We're going back to another heavily rushing team, and we're looking at a guy who is starting to separate himself from the pack here. Tyon Evans, running back out of Louisville this past week, got 13 carries, 89 yards, and a touchdown. Really one of the few bright spots for this Louisville offense this past week. Do we think that he's going to get a bigger, bigger workload going forward here, Nate? And do we think that he is going to be a guy that could return us to what we saw with um, Javion Hawkins just a couple years ago? Yeah, I think there's definitely some potential there. You, 
you could tell that when I was watching one of the ACC, they, they did like every day in the preseason, a rundown of each team where they would sit in on the practices in, in fall camps. And they asked him um, about a, a, any particular player that's standing out in fall camp and, and Setterfield's eyes just like lit up and he's like, Oh my gosh, wait till you see Tyon Evans. And that's all he said. That was the yeah. only guy he talked about. And that's, and I was like, okay, um, that's interesting. And then, and then the depth chart backed it up. We saw uh, him as the clear running back one. And then we saw, surprisingly, we saw Cooley and Mitchell splitting RB three situation yeah. with Jawar Jordan as the RB two. And that's exactly how week one played out as well. Mitchell got one carry Cooley got zero. So, I mean, when, and, and this is a system, even though he's having to split some with, with Cunningham, um, I still think that a running back can be productive as long as they're featuring pretty much one guy. So, yeah, I think Javion Hawkins is within the range of outcomes here for Evans. And Evans is a little bit bigger and more physical. I think that there's there's actually probably more running uh, touchdown potential as well. He could get some more goal line carries. But, you know, Cunningham's still going to vulture some of that. Oh, absolutely. But again, like I mentioned last week on the show with me and Chris Moxley that Lance Taylor has says he has said coming into this that he really wanted to see a lot more production out of the running backs for Louisville. He was the running backs coach at Notre Dame before he came over to Louisville, so you know he's got to love that position. I think that Tyon Evans, now that he's separated himself a little bit from this pack, absolutely worth checking out now for your rosters. Let me talk about a few honorable mentions here, and I'll mention briefly with one of them why it is, and that's Reese White running back out of Coastal Carolina. Braden Bennett did not play this past weekend. It is pretty unclear as to why he didn't. We don't know how long he's going to be out. If we continue to hear throughout the week that he will not be in for this next game, Reese White will be a major pickup for you because he really then becomes the last man standing in terms of that running back room for Coastal Carolina. In terms of the experience, in terms of the talent, I think. He will, again, this past weekend, he scored three touchdowns against Army. Or Coastal Carolina. Uh, two on the ground, one through the air. So they're going to use him as much as they can. So he's worth a pickup. LaDamian Webb out of South Alabama had a really good day against an FCS opponent this past week. And then Cam Wiley running back out of Akron. John Zell Norrells did not play, it looks like. But even still, Cam Wiley absolutely just monopolized the carries for Akron in that game. And so if that's going to continue going forward... He is going to be somebody worth holding on to, especially for when Maxion gets around, because Joe Moorhead, once he finds his guy at running back, really loves to run them into the ground. If Cam Wiley is that dude for Akron, you're going to love having him for Maxion. Any thoughts on those guys real quick, Nader? Totally, totally agree with you. Um, we wanted to see what was going to happen in that running back room at Akron because of Joe Moorhead. And, I mean, not only does he run one guy primarily but he also uh loves to feature them in the past game as well too and we saw cam cam wiley have three catches in his first game so um i i, I think there's a chance that akron's bad but they're also fun bad um yeah. for cff purposes yeah absolutely all right let's talk about some of these wide receivers because man this feels like the position where there's just so much to talk about and like yes the, my honorable mentions, we're keeping it to five, but the honorable mentions list, Nate's looking at it right now. Like, it's like a mile long compared, yeah. to some, compared to the other positions. So we'll get through these guys real quick. But first and foremost, this is the must pickup of the week, I would say. And that is Charlie Jones, wide receiver out of Purdue. On 18, I repeat, 18 targets last week. 
12 catches, 153 yards, and a touchdown. Aiden O'Connell is a parent BFF. We think, I think we found our wide receiver one for Purdue this upcoming year. And we have seen in the past that Purdue loves to chuck it. Like They're going to throw the ball 40, 50 times a game. Hell, they almost hit 60 this past weekend against Penn State. And the number one guy is going to get peppered with targets. Again, Charlie Jones right there. One third of the targets went his way, and he was absolutely productive. I see no reason to suspect that he will not be the guy moving forward here. Nate, is there any re- like any other like reasons to pick up this guy? Because I think, again, he is probably your priority number one outside of maybe Donovan Smith this week. Yeah, he, he needs to be added in all formats um, just because of the, the history of Brahms wide receiver ones. I mean, they're really, it's, it's hard to find a better system for wide receivers than Brahm. I, I joked about it in the off season about uh, Tracy and, and, um, and Jones coming over from Iowa to Purdue. You're, you're going from the CFF outhouse to the penthouse when it yep. comes to wide receiver production. And I, I think Charlie Jones got like half of his career production at Iowa uh, <laughs> in, in in one game uh, at Purdue. I think that one of my takeaways from this, from this game and the situation with Charlie Jones is how did the, how did we not know that he is like lifelong best friends with Aiden O'Connell and they've played together since they were like eight years old or something like Purdue Boilermakers, where are your beat writers on this? This is, this is the type of stuff that I dig for all off season to try to get a little bit of a competitive edge. And I have to learn about it um, all throughout the first two quarters of the first game of the season. I wish I would have known that crap ahead of time. Otherwise, I would be drafting a little bit less Tyrone Tracy and a little bit more Charlie Jones. Dude, it's it's my it's the roommate theory, like to the max here. Like I always say, like look for the guy who rooms right. with the quarterback because they're gonna have a great relationship. This Absolutely. is like even bigger than that. They apparently these guys have been playing since like Pee Wee. Like, yeah. But yeah, so, you go ahead. You you. I was just gonna say you you have to pick him up. The interesting thing is he plays the outside wide receiver position and outside of the year that Rondell Moore went just buck wild and, and, and came burst onto the scene as a freshman, the outside position is actually where the, the wide receiver one has resided in, in that Jeff Brom system. And, and Charlie Jones plays outside. And it's so weird watching him because he's like 5'11", 180. Yeah. He just, he does not look like your prototypical um, outside receiver and he's a clean route runner. He's fast, but he's not like take the top off the defense guy. So I'm sitting there, I'm watching him like, man, none of this makes any sense, <laughs> but, but every other damn throw for Maiden O'Connell was going to him. So I'm like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, doesn't need to make sense. The dude's just going to put up monster points. It doesn't need to make sense as some, like I, I've mentioned this before, at some point reality just takes over no matter how much speculation we put into right. some of these teams of like, all right, this is the guy that makes sense to be their number one wide receiver. It doesn't matter. If after one or two games, you're noticing that it, like somebody else is getting the targets, you have to move that way. Charlie Jones is that guy. Got to go pick him up as soon as you can. Yep. Let's move on to the next guy here. We knew the West Virginia offense was going to be a potential hotspot for CFF production this year. We knew that Graham Hill being over there with this air raid system, there is going to be potential with JT Daniels and there's going to be a potential with some of these wide receivers. And... If you drafted, like me, Caden Prather, you were a little disappointed this past weekend when you only had about 21 yards. If you drafted, rolled the dice, and drafted Bryce Ford Wheaton, you're sitting pretty right now. And Bryce Ford Wheaton's available in a lot of places right now. Dude had 16 targets. Again, 16 targets this past week. 
Nine catches, 97 yards, and two touchdowns. They were constantly going his way over and over and over again. That like normally I would say, like, okay, he just happened to have the better day out of the two. Like, I think Caden Bray is gonna be fine. This seemed like there was a massive gulf between where JT was looking in terms of his progressions. And so I think Bryce Ford Wheaton, if you're going to go after a guy for West Virginia right now, he is the guy to own. Nate, what do you think of Bryce Ford Wheaton? Yeah, I still I still have pretty high hopes for Caden Prather. I think they can both exist fantasy-wise. Um, and we know that this this particular system with Graham Harrell produces just insane amount of wide receiver production. We saw that with uh, London last year before he broke his ankle. Yep. Um, it's clear that JT Daniels has a really strong connection with Ford Wheaton. Um, 16 targets. I think uh, Sam James had eight. Caden Prather had five. So um, it's, it's clear that Ford Wheaton's his top guy. Um, I'll be interested to see kind of how this progresses uh, throughout the season. But right now you got to, you got to think that he's, he's going to be the top guy and and the guy that JT looks for. I, I was fortunate enough. I, I waffled back and forth throughout the entire off season in my best balls. Is, is it going to be Ford Wheaton or is it going to be Prather? And, and so I kind of made a, I kind of made a, a pack with myself before every draft. I'm leaving with one of them. No. I don't care which one it is. So I got a little bit of shares of, of Ford Wheaton too, but um, yeah, great, great offense to invest wide receivers in. Yeah, 100%. And this is the kind of stuff you need to be looking for in these early in these early weeks. Uh, rooms that there wasn't clear who the top guy was going to be. You got to start looking for them. You got to specifically look for volume things. Targets, receptions. Mm-hmm. Don't look at their yardage. Don't look yeah. for the guy who caught a really deep pass for 60 yards. Look for the guy who was constantly looked at over and over again. In this case, we got both with Bryce Ford Wheaton. But there's other rooms out there where you're going to see, like, or you'll definitely see in our honorable mentions, like there's guys I'm mentioning here, you're going to be sitting there thinking like, he wasn't the top receiver from this past week. doesn't matter. He got a ton of targets and they're going to give him plenty of plenty to work with. Look at, look at just the situation of last week when we, when we talked about um, Isaiah, Isaiah Williams. Yeah. 100%. Um, If you looked at his stat line, well, he didn't really do much. You know, why why should I pick this guy up off waivers? And then you saw what he did in, in week one on, on, this past weekend, yep. he, he had a really, really nice week. He's clearly that that top guy there. Yep. And by the way, the over-under on his receptions on price picks was the easiest free space of the week. <laughs> he had four and a half receptions for his price picks. So that, that that cleared by several receptions. Anyway, let's talk about the next guy here. We're, going, we're sticking in the Big 12 here. And we're going to talk about a guy that, Nate, you pointed out to me before we came on the show, was a first-team all-conference receiver but when you like before Fantrax kind of took down all the roster ship numbers and everything, I did notice Xavier Hutchison, wide receiver out of Iowa State, was criminally under rostered. Like I believe he was well below forty percent, and I think everybody learned their lesson from this past week. Iowa State has, in my opinion, upgraded at quarterback. Hunter Deckers is a much better passer than Brock Purdy is going to be, and I think he could. There's a possibility he, if he sticks around for a couple of years, he could break Brock Purdy's records. Very, very easily. Again, Brock Purdy was there for half a decade, but even still. Yeah. Xavier Hutchinson absolutely went off in this game. 10 targets, 8 receptions, 128 yards, and 3 touchdowns. Do I think he's going to get 3 touchdowns every single week? God, no. But I do think he is going to be, when they're passing in the red zone, where Decker's eyes are going to go first. I think he is clearly above him, like above board when it comes to the wide receivers on this team. They don't have Charlie Kohler anymore. They don't have a clear tight end one that is somebody else to look for. Jairo Brock is a lot of things, but a great receiving back is not one of them. 
And I do think that if they're going to pass it, they're going to constantly be looking Hutchinson's way. And especially once they get into some conference play where they're going to be shooting out a little bit more, he could very well be a guy that could... That 10, 10 plus targets every single week, I don't think is outside the realm for Hutchinson. What do you think, Nate? Absolutely agree. This is... He's one of those guys where I wish I would have invested more towards the the end of some of the best balls I was in. I, I sat there right before the season started. I was like, why don't I have more Xavier Hutchison? There's there's not a there's there's not a lot of situations that it's more clear that he's the wide receiver one than that. I mean, it's a it's a big gap between yep. him and whoever's going to end up wide receiver two there. But yes, I do think and and if you even I think they throw the ball more this year for sure than oh, yeah. what they've done in the past. It's clear that the the reports that the staff and, and the confidence that they have um, is in that pass game has grown and that they really feel good about it. I think they threw the ball like 26 times in the first half uh, on Saturday, which for Iowa State is just – it makes zero sense. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they've, they have not done that in years. That's just not what Matt Campbell normally does. Yep. So it's kind, of, it's kind of a situation where they've their confidence has flipped in that – they don't know what they're getting out of the running backs, but they know they've got a really good pass game. And yeah. so I think, I think you could see um, Hutchinson kind of take off as, as Deckers kind of opens up, unlocks a little bit of this offense. His arm, his arm's pretty legit. I agree 100%. Uh, on the other side of things, I did kind of like to see that Jaguar Brock was kind of pulled away from the rest of the running back room. I was a little concerned at first when they started handing the ball off to other, other guys, but like as the game kind of went along, they went back to the well with Brock. Not only for my fantasy shares in terms of the points that I got from it and everything, but even so, like, it helped. I, I was afraid at first that there was going to be full running back by committee, and I completely yeah. wasted my time looking at it. At le- again, at least for now, it looks like Brock will be the guy moving forward. Yeah, this could, this could definitely be one of those systems where we've got a clear, productive quarterback, a clear, productive receiver that he aims at the whole time, and then a running back that gets, you know, 15 to 23 carries every game and that's all you ask for that's what we want the, we want the, that consistency the cff perfection right there trifecta yep. all right let's talk about another well uh, I, I don't even really know how to transition to this one we're going to alabama and we're going to talk about Treshawn holton all right we're like i was hesitant on this i like him being the number one i thought that we were going to see more brooks than we were going to see and holden had a really really nice day seven targets Five receptions, 70 yards, two touchdowns, and he played half the game. So you're going to see a lot of Treshawn Holden moving forward. The reports out of camp, it looks like, are true. He has truly worked his way up to be the number one X wide receiver for Alabama. Ja'Cory Brooks did not record a reception in this game. He was not really around, or he was not really to be seen that much in this game. And again, Treshawn Holden, one of two receivers on the day, including... Mr. Um, Jermaine Burton to catch two touchdowns on the day. I, I There's not really much else to say. This is probably going to be your number two wide receiver for Alabama this year. That is a very productive, that is a very productive position for CFF going forward. And I think that, again, there's a possibility he could be the number one. Either way, it's going to be somebody you're going to want to have on your roster. Nate, what are your thoughts on Treshawn Holden? The, the kind of what I was reading towards the end of fall camp was is because everybody's like, okay, is this real? Is Treshawn Holden really going to see more playing time than Ja'Cory Brooks? And I think part of the 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 issue was is Ja'Cory Brooks was having a little bit of tough time separating from defenders. Mm-hmm. 
And Holden consistently was getting that separation. Every report I was reading, man, Holden really separates. Now he's not a burner. He's not, no. he's not Harold. He's not going to really take the top off. Like uh, even Burton can Burton's a nice mix of, of both. He can yeah. separate and uh, he's, he's got long speed too, but um, and then, yeah, so he, he, he leads the team in, in, uh, in targets in the first half. He, he, by a tiptoe missed his third touchdown. It yep. was a terrific pass and catch just barely missed a third touchdown. Um, yeah, I mean, it looks like wheels up here for Holden and that's crazy to say that now thinking back of what we thought of Alabama's receiver room a month ago, two months yeah. ago, whenever doesn't matter. I mean, he is really like shot up boards, uh, just because he had a, a false scrimmage where he went for like 180 yards and three touchdowns. And yeah. since then he has just ascended to this wide receiver two role, which is highly coveted for Alabama. Exactly. I, like it. Again, I I'm still convinced that Jojo Earl earns his starting spot back over Kobe Prentice when he comes back from injury. Because Kobe Prentice had a good day yesterday, no doubt about it. But I don't think he's going to hold on to that job for the rest of the season. I am having serious doubts that Brooks overtakes Holden if Holden continues to play the way that he is. And they they mix it up enough oh, um, to where the to where all four of those guys were on the field at the same time at times, and then they would you know sit. Holden for one possession, or they'd sit Prentice for one possession. They're, yeah. they're kind of interchangeable, similar to what we've seen from Ohio State in the yeah. past. But yeah, I think um, it, it it looks like Holden and and Burton are those guys. Man, Burton looks so good. He did. He's he? he's a stud. I, I've been he's trying so to tell good. people he's a freaking good receiver. Yeah, like, I hope I hope he stays healthy, man. He's, oh, I hope he's, so too. He's, he, he's really good. If he, if he stays healthy the entire year, he's a first round NFL receiver next year. I think you're. I think you're right. All right, let's talk about our final receiver here. We're going back to the system, the system, Texas Tech, Kitley system. We're going to talk about Mr. Jaron Bradley, wide receiver at Texas Tech here. We could talk also about uh, Loic Fungi here out of Texas Tech as well, but we decided to go with Jaron Bradley. Jaron Bradley is that outside option for Texas Tech. Had the best day on the day yesterday, six catches, 108 receiving yards on, and two touchdowns on seven targets yesterday. Both of these guys, I don't think, are going to be coming off the field for the most part for Texas Tech. I think anybody you can get like that is somebody you're going to want to have on your rosters. I guess the other thing we can kind of talk about here, Nate, is Miles Price had a really kind of a bummer day yesterday, like a lot of receivers. Like, again, Quentin Johnson, Xavier Worthy, a lot of receivers just did not have great days yesterday. A lot of people really kind of pushing out there now, like, oh, do we drop Miles Price now for Jaron Bradley? I say on that, everybody, hold your horses, hold your horses. One bad game is not indicative of what will happen the rest of the season. I do think it shows that there's a ceiling with Bradley and with Fungi that is worth having on your rosters and seeing what happens from here on out. But for now, I'm going to say Bradley is my guy, but I'm, I'm okay with both. What do you think here, Nate? Yeah, similar to Holden, it's nice when the fall camp reports that you're reading um, – turn out to be you you see that in play in in week one and everything I'd been hearing that Jaron Bradley was just um one of just an absolute dude in fall camp and I've I didn't get to watch this game um but I've seen enough from him in practice and some of the scrimmages he's a really fluid athlete for his size he's like 6'4 215 ish something like that second year player um, one of their highest wide receiver recruits over the last few years, but man, he is really fluid at his size. So, um, I definitely think that the, the, the Mitchell Tinsley like production we saw from him as an outside receiver at Western Kentucky 
is in his range of outcomes. Um, I don't know what the heck happened with Miles Price. Um, yeah. That was weird. That was weird. He wasn't even really targeted that much. The other um, inside slot receivers were just as productive, if not more. I think Martinez had a touchdown. Um, so it was it was kind of weird to see how that played out. I don't know if they were just being cautious with him or what. But yeah. um, I mean, I, I this is a system where where Bradley um, Price. G, however you pronounce it, I, I think they all could could have their games um, and just kind of rotate and, and and all all three of them end up fairly productive by the end of the year. But yeah. yes, if if you're thinking about dropping Miles Price, you're you're crazy. Don't do it uh, yeah. unless you unless you play in a league with me. Then I need you to go ahead and drop him because that's <laughs> that would yeah. be great. One hundred percent. And like again, I'm looking at Jared Stern's season last year. And Jared Stern's wide receiver one last year, right? Just clearing right. above above everybody else. Final week of the season, four point eight fantasy points. All right. Even the best wide receivers have bad games. I think Miles Price has just happened to game week one. I think he's yeah. going to have a much better season down the line. Don't freak out about this. I do think it is worth picking up Bradley or Fauci, whichever one's available in your league, and just holding on to them because the upside with those two is very incredible. One thing that I do think will be interesting to monitor how it plays out if Donovan Smith does get an extended period here, he's a little bit more of a gunslinger and likes to show off his arm with some yep. deep balls and take some risks downfield which tends to favor some of the outside boundary type guys like sure. Bradley and Fungi. So um, that might have an impact in Miles Price in some way. Shook's a little bit more conservative in how he plays. Yeah, I think that's absolutely a fair call, and I, 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 I like that call quite a bit. <laughs> God, that didn't make sense. I'm off it today. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'll go through some honorable mentions here. Again, laundry list here, so I'm going to get through this as quick as I can. Uh, Jalen McGowey, Central Michigan wide receiver. He's the leading receiver for them. Emeka Ibuka, we talked about why he's valuable earlier. C.J. Johnson, East Carolina. Man, that's a blast from the past right there. Uh, looks like he's now back to being the number one wide receiver for Holt Naylor. So if that continues, absolutely worth checking out there. Casimir Allen, wide receiver at UCLA. We were all big on Jake Bobo, but he was the one that got 10, 10 receptions from this past weekend. So maybe he's one to keep an eye on going forward. We mentioned him last week. Isaiah Williams, Illinois. Kobe Pacer out of UNC with Josh Downs out. He was the one that really kind of stepped up for UNC last week. Absolutely somebody to keep an eye on. We talked about Loic Fungi already out of Texas Tech. Braden Johnson out of Oklahoma State. We're all big on Jaden Bray, but he did not play this past weekend. So Braden Johnson was that outside receiver that stepped up in his place, took over that role. If Bray is out for an extended period of time, I do think Braden Johnson's worth picking up for a couple of weeks. And then last but not least, Nico... Remigio, wide receiver out of Fresno State. We are all big on Jalen Cropper, but Remigio looked like the true number one wide receiver for Fresno State this year. He's a transfer from Cal. He had the most targets. He had the most production from this past weekend. So he's somebody definitely keep an eye on. Nate, any of these kind of honorable mentions you want to touch on real quick? No, I think you hit it. Remigio was the one that stood out to me. I stayed up late and watched that Fresno State game because I was curious what their offense looked like with uh, DeBoer moving on. And yeah, I'm with you, man. It they made a really conscious effort to try to find creative ways to get him the ball. And yep. that did not happen with Cropper. Um, so I, uh, um, I, I think he's a big time stock up. Yep. I definitely agree. All right. Let's finish up here. Let's talk about some of these tight ends in here. We got three tight ends here that we're going to talk about. First things first, let's talk about a potential cheat code in CFF. And that is Mr. CJ Donaldson tight end and running back out of West Virginia because his sat line from this past weekend, 
was not targets and, and receptions. It was seven carries for 125 yards and a touchdown. This is a man that played tight end coming out of high school. He very much is built like a tight end, but West Virginia has started using more in the run game, and man, he had an awesome game against Pitt this last weekend. Like I said, only seven carries, but well over 100 yards and got himself a touchdown. In my opinion, he's earned more touches throughout the week, especially since Tony Mathis has really did not look impressive yesterday. So he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on. He's going to keep that tight end eligibility, as far as I can tell, throughout the season. Again, Fantrax doesn't typically like to change their position eligibilities mid-year. And so if he continues to get touches like this, again, I don't expect him to be ripping off 15, 20-yard carries every single time he touches the ball like he did this past weekend. But even still, like just getting guaranteed production like that every single week, this is absolutely a potential cheat code here. Nate, what do you think about C.J. Donaldson? Yeah, Tony Mathis is, is not an impressive running back by any sense. So there's opportunity here if, if he continues, if Donaldson continues to be this efficient. Pitt's defense, um, say what you will about it, but they do they they sell out to stop the run. Yep. And that all looked like it normally does for the rest of everybody else running the ball for West Virginia, except for Donaldson. Donaldson kept yep. breaking off some chunk plays. So uh, the reports on, in camp were really good um, uh, about Donaldson. So I definitely think he's one to to keep an eye on. He's we we got to see an uptick in volume. Can't this isn't sustainable, but. Yep. Um, if we start to see him creep up to 10 plus carries, then I'm very interested with that, with that tight end, um, eligibility there. Yeah. To me, he is a, especially in a dynasty league, he's a must grab right now. There's no, there's a very good chance he made it through your supplemental. Yeah. He's a true freshman. I think he's an absolute grab pretty much in all formats. I don't see any reason why in a league, unless I already have just an absolute stud at tight end or two studs at tight end. There's there, I'm finding a way to get this guy onto my roster. Because again, this the potential cheat code nature here is fantastic. Let's talk about our second tight end here. This guy I was very high on throughout the offseason. George Tikas, tight end out of Boston College. Transfer over from Notre Dame. Follows his former quarterback, Phil Dracovic, over to Boston College. Boston College has been known to utilize the tight end. Uh, just remember guys like Hunter Long in the past couple of years. Um, who was the guy last year? I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Um, oh gosh, he was a, uh, like a division two transfer. Um, I forget his name as well. Uh, I forget, but they, they utilized him well last year. Um, and then this past week, George Dikas, seven receptions on 11 targets for 84 yards. Didn't get into the end zone, but like I said, you can't really predict touchdowns week to week. You can predict how much, how much they're going to throw the ball his way. And if he is going to be a guy that gets double digit targets in an offense that is known for using the tight end. I am all about that. And so George Tecos, definitely one of my favorite guys to pick up this week for tight end. Nate, what do you think about him? Uh, just hit me. Trey Berry was the guy that, yes, um, that was, was there before. Trey Berry, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. He followed, I mean, he followed his, so the offensive coordinator is the, was the tight ends coach at Notre Dame last year. So um, he's followed him over and, um, and clearly they have, uh, you know, a relationship and, and um, Phil Jerkovic, who was at Notre Dame previously, they have a relationship. So yeah, I mean, all things are pointing towards him having a strong season and you love to see that, that volume in week, in week one. I mean, outside of flowers, there really isn't a whole lot of other passing options here that you can really trust. So um, you got a lot of things pointing at a productive tight end. Yeah. 
Again, that's why I've, I've, I've loved him throughout the season. Like Nate kind of said earlier, it's great whenever you see these things that indicate a great season and then immediately you see, see it paying off here. Yep. Let's talk about our third and final tight end here. Jatavian Sanders, tight end out of Texas. I've been telling y'all over and over again, do not, do not draft Julio Billingsley. And that was before he was suspended for six games because the noise out of camp was that Jatavian Sanders was the better tight end throughout camp. And we saw that on display here in this first game. Six targets, caught all six of them for six receptions, 85 yards and a touchdown. The most productive receiving option for Texas yesterday. Second most targets on the team behind Xavier Worthy. Xavier Worthy had a kind of a rough day yesterday in terms of actually bringing the ball in. But even still, if this is going to be one of the main passing options for the Sarkeesian offense going forward, I see no reason why not to get a look at him, especially if your tight ends are struggling this early on in the season. Nate, what do you think about Jatavian Sanders? Yeah, I mean, clearly he's he's definitely a, a stock-up guy. We've got Jalil Billingsley, who's been announced that he's out for at least six games now. Um, I mean, Sanders, we, we known that he's uber, uber athletic. So, um, he's, he's somebody that you can, that you can definitely still get off waiver wires and worth a, worth a shot. Cause this is clearly a, a an offense. that's going to put up points and game script's going to be in their favor to continue to, to be involved in shootouts. Yeah. I, I don't really have much to add to that again. Again, three decent options at tight end. Again, Donaldson to me is like the one that I am the most interested in. Cause again, him still having that tight end eligibility will definitely lead to some very interesting lineups going forward, especially if, again, I think he has earned more carries than the seven he got this past weekend. So I absolutely could see him creeping up into the 10, 15 touches any given week. Again, especially if he continues to perform and Tony Mathis continues to be met. Yeah. Uh, some honorable mentions here at tight end. Braden Willis out of Oklahoma. He and Dylan Gabriel seem to have a connection. He caught two uh, passing touchdowns from this past week. So he's definitely somebody I'm kind of interested in moving forward. And then Trey Knox, tight end slash wide receiver out of Arkansas, led the team in receptions this past week. Had a very, very good day against a pretty good Cincinnati defense. So he's somebody now I'm keeping an eye on. He's one of those guys where... Everybody was really high on him for a while. They were high on him last year. Kind of fell through last year, but now he's made his full transition over to tight end, and it really looks like that's where he belongs. So, Nate, any any opinions on Braden Willis or Trey Knox there? Um, no, no, no super strong opinions. Willis is athletic enough to be productive in the Levy system, and, and Levy's shown at times to to really highlight the tight end like he did his first year at Ole Miss. So there's some there's definitely some potential there. Um, and, and Knox, yeah, I mean, gosh, this was a guy that was more highly touted coming out of high school than um, um, Burks, Traylon Burks. They yep. came into the same class together. So maybe we finally, yeah, see his potential come to fruition now that he's made the uh, position change to tight end because um, he's been more productive there in one game than he ever was a wide receiver. Exactly. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, that pretty much brings us to the end of our show. The one thing I do need to do real quick is that uh, – I definitely need to take my lump on one thing real quick because I did promise some people I would discuss this on the show real quick. And that is what happened with uh, the Toledo running back room this past week. So last week on the sit-start discussion, I made it very clear that I was saying, hey, start Micah Kelly. He's facing a bad defense. Like He's going to be very productive. The man has 17 yards. Uh, not Not a very good day for him. 
And not only that, on Twitter, I believe it was CFF Insiders that posted something about how he was still a little worried about Penny Boone. And I posted in response to that a gift that said something along the lines of like, he's gone, he's history, because he wasn't on the depth chart. He wasn't there. And I'm like, okay, if he's not in the one, two, there's no way he's going to have a great day. Well, he had, he had the best day out of the running backs for Toledo. And in addition to that, Mr. Penny Boone found my tweet about it and responded to it and said, you must have not seen 33. Uh, if I'm gone, you must have not seen 33 out there. And so, yeah, I'm taking my lump on that one. Um, got this called is, out by a player. That's fun. This is just a classic case of we get such little information out of these Mac and, and some of these G5 um, conferences and programs. It's like, what the hell? We, all we have to go by is, is a depth chart. We get nothing. There's no beat reporter saying anything about which guy is going to actually show out. There's, there's no information. So yeah, you just, sometimes you got to take your shots and you miss. Oh yeah. 100%. I love that. I love that Penny Boone um, hit you up about it. That's awesome. Oh yeah. He, yeah. He, 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 he replied to me and like, I, I just posted underneath it. I said, I deserve this. Like, <laughs> I, I DM'd him afterwards. He didn't DM me back, but I did DM afterwards where I said like, Hey man, Happy that you proved me wrong. Go kill it the rest of the season. Because like, yeah. that, that's somebody else we could have put on here as a, as a waiver wire pickup. Because that Toledo number one running back is a very, very productive yeah. for CFF down the line. So we'll see. A little nugget for those of you who stuck around this long. Anyway, Nate, you have been awesome. Uh, you got anything you're working on that uh, you want to throw out to the people real quick? Or are we just going to keep doing the waiver wire picks every week? No, this is this is it for right now, man. I, I got some things going on, but we're um, I'm just watching the games and, and happy to do these pods with you. Hey, man, it's, it's again, it's been awesome. Everybody has been, I've been getting tons of DMs talking about how much they've been loving the show. So you've been doing a great job. And for those of you listening, you guys have been doing a great job listening. Really appreciate all you guys tuning in. Again, make sure to check out Wednesday, where me and Chris Moxley are going to be discussing the upcoming week's games as well as discussing your sit-start discussions. I'll be putting out a tweet tomorrow on Labor Day for you guys to give me your dilemmas for sitting and starting for this upcoming week. So absolutely be on the lookout for that. The two best at every position we are going to discuss, except for tight end, unless we get tight end questions, because last week we didn't get a single tight end question. But even so, absolutely be on the lookout for that, because that is a fun way to discuss different types of players that you're kind of going back and forth on for your leagues. It... A lot of people really liked it last week, so I hope you guys tune in to check it out this week. Even so, really appreciate you guys tuning in, and we will see you guys in a couple of days. Have a wonderful and blessed day.